The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz. Sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C. A program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all around the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues that matter to you, people of faith. We try to rely on the wisdom of the Word of God for the sake of the culture and the mission of the church, or as we like to say here at the LCRL, we're trying to put our temporal liberties to work for the sake of the eternal liberties of God for all. Today, we're privileged to have back on the Liberty Action Alert, Mr. James Bopp Jr., whom Reuters has said, and I love this quote, he's recognized as one of the elite cadre of lawyers emerging as first among equals, giving their clients a disproportionate chance to influence the law of the land. Those are are special words, Jim, I'll tell you that. And then in 2012, he was also identified as one of the top Supreme Court advocates. And of course, he had a role to play in the latest uh, adjudication of the Dobbs case, which is what we're going to talk about today. Welcome back, Jim. Uh, Pleasure being back, Greg. Thank you. Uh, Do you still think Indiana has a chance this year? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Got to jump in there on you. Indiana basketball? Or, yeah, well, basketball. Well, football first, too. But uh... <laughs> Well, we're, we're up and coming in football and, and in basketball where everyone thinks we're a favorite for to win the Big Ten championship. So All right. Well, I'll be thinking about you when we – I'll be thinking about you when we go head-to-head. All right. Oh, there you go. All right, listen, you know, the last time we talked and we talked about this, you know, right after it was uh, argued in front of the the court and everything, from your perspective, um, are you a little bit surprised by this ruling? Uh, And and so what's your what's your take on it? Well, I've been become very humble uh, about predicting what the Supreme Court uh, is going (laughs) to do. And so uh, having, you know, realizing I can't make a prediction then I'm not either disappointed or whatever, uh, or happy uh, that my prediction, you know, that I didn't make uh, either turned out or didn't. So uh, the key factor in the Supreme Court uh, deciding to overturn precedent is simply, are they willing? Uh, You can't make them do anything. Uh, You can't, you know, they're in total control. Uh, they decide what issues, what cases, how they decide them. Um, we were we re- we realized we were closer than ever. We we started working on model legislation, you know, post Roe v. Wade and all that in preparation for the time that we are now in. Well, I guess that's the question. What what time are we now in uh, legally? What is first of all legally? What does this mean for all the abortion or pro life laws around the country? if anything. And then, like you said, what's is, is legislation? Um, Cause I can already tell you on the Hill uh, we had, we had some pro family bills that came up that were supposed to be, you know, he, here's how we go forward incentivizing the family, et cetera, et cetera. So legally first, where are we, where are we at? And then uh, is legislatively the next thing? Well, the, the, the matter, uh, uh, as a as a constitutional matter uh, mm-hmm. has ended, 
because right. there's no right to abortion in the U.S. Constitution. Uh, that means that states are free to exercise their police powers, as they did prior to Roe v. Wade, to determine to what extent abortion would be legal in their state. Okay. And there is no uh, impediment to that at all. Uh, there is, of course, normal things like you can't pass a vague law that, of course, applies to all all statutes, but there is nothing peculiar or particular about uh, regulating abortion that would trigger any constitutional limitations. Okay. Uh, the only other caveat about what states can do is they, they obviously cannot uh, do anything that's contrary to a state constitution. And we have a few states that have said, you know, ridiculously, that there is a right to abortion in their state constitution. Right. And so that would limit what the legislatures can do. Uh, well, but there, there, and there's no federal laws that, that would uh, prevent full exercise of the state authority, even though the very pro-abortion Biden administration is trying to invent and create things. Uh, they sued Idaho uh, the other day right. uh, on a ridiculous idea. But... Uh, that's where we are. Yeah. In fact, I think I, I read the Idaho uh, issue and, and it was like 16 weeks, uh, you know, f uh, for the health of the mother, uh, you know, so it protected the health of the mother and it also made exceptions for rape and incest. And and yet the Biden administration went after that, too. I mean, it well, seemed like a Christian forces since the very beginning, since the 60s. Mm -hmm. They have wanted an absolute right to abortion on demand throughout pregnancy, including even after birth, if a baby survives a, an abortion. They don't want to treat the baby uh, and take care of the baby. Uh, that's what has been their goal for all these decades. Uh, they've never reached that goal, but that doesn't mean that's not their goal. And uh, when uh, in several states that they have where they have a Democrat uh, trifecta, uh, what you have seen is repealed all abortion laws, including requiring a physician to perform the abortion, including prohibitions on a partial birth abortions, including funding of abortion. In other words, they've gotten their nirvana in several states where they have uh, control. And uh, that is, is what they would have imposed on the whole United States through the recent the Women's Health Protection Act, whatever it was called. By the way, the, the woman word was only used in the title uh, of that act. It was not used anywhere else in the law because, of course, as we know, they are in the process of erasing and eliminating women uh, from our society. And, uh, and uh, so they don't want to talk about protecting women anymore. Isn't but again, so for the challenge that is before us, I think we have to come to grips with what the challenge is. And when we can't even name what it is we're talking about, you know, when when someone can't I mean, the bill in New York or, you know, the New York legislature, they in, in effect passed an infanticide bill. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it and and I think there are a lot of Christians out there who think, oh, I'm just I'm, they think about that one case where the woman is in such dire straits or whatever uh, case study they they throw before us. And then they ramrod through things like this where the child is literally killed when it it it's alive coming out of the birth canal and and we can't call it what it is it's infanticide it's killing a a person 
And I think that's what I struggle with so much is that the way they redefine, like you said, the protecting women's health act, and then they don't even actually use the word woman anymore. It's crazy when you can't even identify the problem. Well, or, I th- or, who, go ahead. Who, or who you're claiming to uh, give rights to and protect. Right. And, uh, so it's men and women, I guess, are now viewed as uh uh, ones that can give birth. They talk about birthing people. They talk about pregnant persons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's insane. Uh, you know, if, if abortion was limited to tr- to truly rape and incest, uh, it would be about uh, 1% of the current, maybe 1.5% of the current abortion. If it was limited to the life and health, in other words, medically necessary is a phrase they use, mm-hmm. abortion you would add another one to 3% of the current abortions that are being performed. That's up to, that's a max 4.5% uh, of the abortions for any justifiable reason. Uh, all the rest of them are elective uh, because, and for re- terrible reasons, you know, the sex of the baby or the race of the baby or the, ba- the baby has a disability or I just can't afford one right now or whatever. I mean, it uh you know i'm I'm on my fifth abortion because i use it as a method of birth control right uh, rather than using birth control so it's an unlimited abortion on demand throughout pregnancy literally even to in some uh, states after the baby is born they can be killed well and you know like we talked about the first time we were saying that the dobbs case was really going after the viability uh issue and like we talked about, you know, this was one of the first times in our history where the state, the power of the state aligned with the powerful against the weak in a situation where the weak were innocent, innocent bystanders. The child is an innocent bystander, but it's a it's a unique person. Well, typically the state protects the uh, weak. It protects the innocent against other folks. And. This was a state-sanctioned ability to say you can dispense with it as you will. So I'm glad that the Constitution, uh, it was eradicated as a constitutional issue. But I think you're pointing out, um, as as we're already seeing in some of the state's issues, that this is going much deeper. I guess legislation is the next level, but there's a moral, cultural, real debate going on. And I think, what does this ruling mean for that as far as you're concerned? Or if at all, are we ready? For that debate, do you think, in a lot of ways? Well, uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, and, and there are multifaceted aspects of what you are asking me about. Okay. Uh, and, and the big one uh, that I often point to uh, is a Judeo-Christian view, which was a very radical departure from every other religion, every other nation state, every other barbarians and whoever that ruled the world, uh, the radical and most consequential principle that was embraced by the Judeo-Christian ethic was that every individual human life had inherent value. Right. Because in every other culture, society, religion, uh, it was not in the individual human life was not sacred, did not have inherent value, but was value was relative. It was relative to the value of the person to the clan, the tribe, the nation, the race, who, whatever they were cutting up the pie, 
it, it was always relative. And if it uh, and if your relative value wasn't sufficient, uh, then you know you could be disposed of. For instance, in in Rome, in the Roman culture, the husband was the head of the family. The husband could kill at will for whatever reason he thought was just justified. Any right. member of the family, he could kill the wife, the son, the daughter, whoever. So, uh, and that is because uh, their lives didn't have inherent value. It was only relative value as judged by the, the patriarch of the family. And, uh, and that was the way it was. And of course, slaves, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, same, same, but, uh, but it's, uh, you know, but the extent of the view of relative value extended not just to slaves that could be killed at will, but to family members sure. that could be killed at will. And of course, the, the, that view is the wellspring, the, the inherent value of every human life is the wellspring of all of our views about human life, for instance, and that, that we are opposed to racial discrimination, that we are opposed to sex discrimination, that we are opposed to d- discrimination based upon disability that we don't want to categorize people based upon, you know, factors such as, uh, you know, race or religion or whatever. Everybody has inherent value and equal entitled equal protection of the laws. And of course, Roe v. Wade, well, of course, there were two great assaults on that principle. The first was slavery, and it took us centuries, ultimately, and a terrible civil war to get to where we are now, where we uh, where racial discrimination is illegal, slavery has been abolished. We're not perfect yet because mm-hmm. humans are fallible and have weaknesses, but we we are have gone an enormous distance on that issue. Uh, the other great assault was Roe v. Wade, which is we we just marked off a whole category of people. They have no inherent value. They can be killed at will by somebody who has power over them, right. i.e. the consent of the woman. So that has been, a, you know, the second great assault on this critically important and radical notion that everybody has inherent value. If we give up on that one, we're just going to be like the barbarians or the Romans or whoever, and uh, uh, people's lives will be readily sacrificed because they, they don't have the... Uh, because they don't have inherent value anymore. Yeah, they don't, and they don't have the, you know, that like you said, and that inherent value led to legal standing, uh, you know, and and I argue this too that that's why Darwinism is so egregious because it's philosophically the foundation of racism. You know, if there is just this, if there's this mindless uh, survival of the the species, then whoever happens to be on the top of the hill is right. You know, as far as that's concerned. And and so all this assault on the fact that God created us and God gave us inherent value and each person is precious. People need to understand, I think, that that's what's being debated deeper than whether the law comes this way or the policies come that way. And if you like you said, if we start going down a direction where we look at 
your practical value to society, which is, you know, ultimately the secular state takes over all this nonsense or this these important questions, I should say. Um, then whether you're, you know, whether you're young in the womb or you're older and you're you're less productive, we start to that's where I think Hitler was going with all this stuff, uh, because the state needs the best and the brightest at the moment, and they determine who that is. That's a scary direction. Do you see, you know, so you said Dred Scott, you know, you brought it up, uh, the two assaults on that that principle, which I agree with. Well, we had a civil war. I mean, are we at that kind of place? Is dialogue uh, the way to go? Um, do we have to get these fundamental principles reestablished? Uh, what, what are your thoughts about, because I know legally, we're, we're in one place, but morally and culturally, we've got a lot of work to do. Well, the situation is uh, is on that on the front of whether or not we have a common agreement or common basis, you know, for agreement among our people generally mm-hmm. uh, is is a big problem right now, and and it's because of the radical left, uh, the Democrats that have been totally taken over by the radical left who are truly progressives progressivism it was a polit- is a political philosophy that is much different than liberalism liberalism believes in individual rights progressivism does not they don't believe in individual rights they only believe in what is good for quote society end of quote and they want experts to decide that not the people so they're anti-democratic and of course, their heyday was uh, with Woodrow Wilson and the, and the, you know, the Supreme Court uh, in the early 1900s. And what did that lead to? It led, led to uh, Buck v. Bell, uh, where the U.S. Supreme Court upheld the forced sterilization of Buck uh, by the state uh, by the state uh, because mm-hmm. she had mental retardation. And the court said, "quote." Four, three generations of imbeciles is enough, end of quote. So she had no rights because she had mental retardation to even the most basic human rights that we have, that is to be able to bear children and and give birth to children. And uh, that could be taken by the state forcibly by forced sterilization. And, And of course, Margaret Sanger started Planned Parenthood. She was a great progressive. She was a genesis, just like the court in Buckley Bell was, and eugenics is we want to get rid of people that are just not the right race, not have mental retardation, have uh, whatever problems, uh, you know, that we don't value them. Well, and according to Sanger, included uh, Southern Europeans. You know, she thought they were in, quote, inferior, end of quote. Of course, wow. she uh, wanted to eliminate black children. She was very adamant about and public about that. So eugenics was what she was into and created Planned Parenthood in order to execute. You know, isn't it amazing? I thought about that, too, that if she came back from the dead, you know, she rose from the grave, she'd be like, uh, you know, we were going to force these people to kill their children. We were going to take their children away to, you know, and abort them. Now they're paying us to do it. I mean, I think she would probably have a big smile on her face. We have people marching on Washington saying, let us kill our children. Whereas back in those days, they were like, leave us alone, let us raise our children. What a what a dramatic twist. And I think people need to understand, because this is where I hear it all the time. It's the Christian worldview that stands 
proudly against this kind of uh, view of life because it's a brutal, tyrannical, uh, very destructive view of life. And we cherish the life of each person. That doesn't mean we always agree with each other, but at least we start from that view that your your life has an inherent value and we respect that uh, going forward. Um, you just said, uh, you know, you, you pointed out some of the challenges. We just had the Kansas uh, law that that did not go into effect. And so Kansas is, in essence, a pro-abortion state, at least at this moment. Are there other challenges at the the legislative point of view that you see that uh, we need to be ready for? Or is it kind of a new day and we're just going to have to figure it out as we go along? Well, uh, you know, now for the first time, we have the a real opportunity to protect innocent human life. Right. Uh, up until through under the time of Roe v. Wade, uh, you know, we could only deal with the abortion issue on the margins, on the edges. And uh, we have three uh, legislatures dealing with these subjects. And that is West Virginia, South Carolina and Indiana. And overall, we're doing we're doing pretty well. Fortunately, in Indiana, we have a special session and there's a fight over that. Uh, the pro-life groups have been opposing the uh, bill that has been put forward because of too many loopholes, too many uh, failures to provide effective enforcement, et cetera. Right. And up to today, Indiana, uh, the right to life groups in Indiana oppose the current bill that has been going forward. Whether that, you know, it may, may still be fixed, you know, these are never, you know, as you know, these are never done deals until the last vote right. uh, is counted. Um, and sometimes they make significant uh, uh, twists and turns as you go through the process. So, but this, this is the nature of democracy and representative democracy. Right. People could say they're pro-life in the past and, you know, vote for parental notice, which was, you know, very popular vote, you know, not to fund abortion, very popular. But now it's really the rubber meets the road. And, you know, we just hope and pray and expect that they will do what they have said they will do all along. And, uh, of course, I live in Indiana and I, I, you know, none of us have given up on the legislature uh, doing the right thing. And uh, we're still hopeful that that's that's what happens. We'll know by the end of the week. Well, you know, one of the things that we at least know now is uh, something that we probably, you know, we were thinking that this case would would provide a roadmap for the overturn of Roe. And here they went all the way and and overturned it. So that's something to be celebrated, because as I, I say it this way, I don't know what you think about this, but it removed the veneer of respectability of abortion because you never had to actually in a debate or talking all someone could say is well it's a constitutional right and that kind of ended the discussion now you have to talk about what it actually is we're talking about what is this procedure what does it do what is the aftermath what are the results to the woman and to the child and all these different things they actually have to now start to debate what it what it actually is and i think that's a good thing but like you pointed out the moral perspective on a lot of these issues is learning where to say no properly out of love for other people and for whatever reason our culture thinks that libertinism is is love (laughs) just doing whatever i want is love and i'm telling you the legislature has to put proper boundaries in place for us to live in a civil society so in this regard like you said the the real work uh, the rubber is going to meet the road. Well, Jim, thank you for your work. Thank you for um, your efforts before the Supreme Court. I, I know that you were 
part of the the Dobbs case. Um, but again, all the different cases that you've argued, I know you're you're a person who believes in the constitutional protections of of us as individuals, but you also believe in self government. You know, religiously motivated, self disciplined, self governing people. Uh, what a concept, right? Yeah, and we we've got we've got an opportunity to get back more in that direction uh, now, and uh, we need to seize that opportunity. Well, I think that's a very exciting place to be. So thanks again for being with us today. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you as always. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contained there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Or check out our weekly Word from the Center opinion piece every Friday at facebook.com forward slash lcrlfreedom. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 